Thank you, Philip. Let me greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank the Lord for this morning, uh, for bringing us together to worship and honor him, um, even in hearing his word. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, especially as we go through James, is um, how practical the book is and how um, it speaks so clearly to um, each and every one of us. And as we, um, as we hear um, the word of God from, from this book, one of the things that, that are very important um, to, to cultivate in our hearts is that when you feel um, or when you think like the word of God is speaking about you, and, and you feel like it, it is singling you out. Uh, you, uh, that's, that's kind of what you feel. Um, that it's a clear indication that you're really starting to listen to God's word. That, that God is really starting to, to speak to you. Uh, in other words, the, 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 the reaction when you feel like the word of God is singling you out is not to be angry, but it is to be thankful that God is so mindful of you that he is prepared to sanctify you through his word. Amen. Let us continue looking at James. Now we are in James chapter 3. We'll look at verse 13 up until verse 18. James chapter 3 verse 13 up until verse 18. And we're looking at the subject of uh, two kinds of wisdom. Two kinds of wisdom. Let me read, I read from the ESV, this is God's word, let us hear him. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and, and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of good mercy, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, you are the all-wise God. You know everything, even things that are in darkness. You search our hearts. You know them perfectly. And you know the remedy of our hearts. And as we draw near to you, we pray the prayer of our Lord in John 17, 17. Sanctify us in your word, for your word is truth. May your name be honored and glorified this morning. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. When you look at the book of Job uh, and the conversations that Job has with his friends, um, one of the conversations that stand out is the conversation that he has with them in Job chapter 28. And here, as he talks to his friends, he, he makes one of the most uh, important and, and profound inquiries 
man has ever made. When you look at Job chapter 28 verse 12, he says, Where shall wisdom be found? And in verse 20, he says, Where does wisdom come from? He observes all of life in an attempt to answer this question. He observes that it does not originate with mankind in verse 13. Nor is it found, or can it be found, or can it be bought with riches in verses 14 to verse 19. He says it is not found in, in created things in verse 21. Nor, nor do the dead possess it in verse 22. And in an answer to this question, Job points us to God as the bearer of wisdom, as the giver of wisdom. And, and, and in, in order to have this wisdom that, that Job is pointing to, he says we have this wisdom through a relationship with God. In other words, to be in a relationship with God is to know true wisdom. In verses 28, he says this. He says, Behold, the, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Solomon also writes, as the wisest king to ever live, in Proverbs, commending wisdom to, to his children. He's sitting down with his children and he is uh, uh, speaking, so to say, into their lives and, and teaching them about the importance and the value of wisdom. He's calling them to treasure wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse, two, verse 20, he, he calls them to pay attention to the call of wisdom that is calling out to them. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 26, he says, It is the Lord who gives wisdom. So in order to pursue wisdom, we have to pursue the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, he, 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 he observes that those who find wisdom are considered blessed. In chapter 8, verse 11, he says, Wisdom is better than wealth. Now, when we come back to, to James here, in these verses that we just read, James does the very same thing. He commends wisdom to the believers. He wants them to, to, to have godly wisdom. But he's aware that there were competing wisdoms that disguised themselves as true wisdom, but were really not. Right? Notice the way he, he, he structures his argument here. He, in verse 13, he, he, calls us, uh, those who, who, he, he calls those who claimed to possess wisdom to uh, th th those who said they were wise. He, he calls them uh, 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 and he says to them, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, the next sentence is brilliant. It's just a brilliant sentence. He answers this question by uh, uh, when he, 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 he challenges them and calls them, he, he asks a question and, and, and answers it in this way. And this is the question that he answers. How is wisdom displayed? The answer to this question has been given in many ways, right? 
how is wisdom displayed? Some say wisdom is in gray hair. It's in old age. When you are old, automatically you are wise. But I, 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 I think I've lived long enough, not long enough as the gray haired, um, to know that there are many gray haired that are not even close to being wise. Some say you find it in education, but our, our politicians are, are, are daily proving us wrong, right? They have many degrees and many PhDs, but you can see the foolish decisions that they make. There's so many ways of answering this question. But James makes this challenge to those who claimed to be wise. He, he, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Look at the next sentence. He says, by his conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. In, in other words, what James is saying here, he's saying true wisdom is not seen in the number of gray hair on your head or the amount of knowledge one possesses, but in the way an individual conducts themselves. James says wisdom is clearly seen in your conduct. John MacArthur notes that as with faith, wisdom and understanding are not demonstrated, are not demonstrated in righteous godly living, that are not demonstrated in righteous godly living, are devoid of spiritual value. Right? So James is calling them to display and demonstrate their wisdom in righteous godly living. And, and, and with this, he shows us two kinds of wisdom. After he defines how wisdom is displayed, he shows us two kinds of wisdom. One wisdom he condemns, and one wisdom he commends. Right? Let us look at them in detail. First of all, James shows us worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom in verses 12 to verse 16. Look at verse 12 up until verse 16. I mean, I mean um, verses 14 up until verse 16, sorry. He says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. That is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Uh, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. In this section, James deals with worldly wisdom that he condemns. He, he approaches it in three ways. He shows the characteristics of um, um, worldly wisdom. He shows its source and he shows its fruits. Right? Now, notice how he characterizes worldly wisdom. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, uh, these are actions that are geared towards exalting self. The words bitter jealousy and self in, uh, selfish ambition describes one who is looking to elevate themselves above others. A, a person who wants to be the center of attention, who always wants to be commended and seen by others. 
Instead of working alongside others for the good and progress of the church community, they seek to outdo others and show themselves to be the very best. Worst of all, when others are being commended, instead of celebrating and rejoicing with them, they are mocked by jealousy. James calls this bitter jealousy. This is not jealousy alone, but a, a kind of jealousy that leads to gossiping about people in order to mar their character, in order to give them a bad name so that they can appear to be better. Our politicians have been using the word character assassination uh, in the past week. Um, I heard a lot of politicians using that word. So, so these people, they, 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 when they see other people doing well, when they see other people being commended for their good deeds, they character assassinate. They speak evil of them. On the other hand, selfish ambition is doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Right? Doing the right things, but for the wrong reasons. We, we saw in verses 1, right? People wanting to, to be teachers, having the desire to be teachers, not for the progress of the church community, but for, uh, for the fact that they would have influence and, and popularity. That they have the right desires to teach, but the motive is not, is not right. These people are marked by bitter jealousy. They want to be the, 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 the ones who appear better. They want to be the center of attention. They want to be the ones in the forefront. They are marked by selfish ambition. They do the right things for the wrong reasons. James knows that the real problem here is actually the heart. Right? Look at what he says. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, just as words in, 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 in chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, reveal the, 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 the condition of the heart, so um, does our action reveal the posture of the heart. You see, the, the heart is the, is the engine of our lives. When we behave or conduct ourselves in a manner that is unbecoming, the problem is not the conduct itself. The problem is with the engine. Right? The engine is wor not working well. The problem is the heart. You see, our actions, our words, are the mirror of the heart. They are ambassadors of the heart. They are speaking for the condition of the heart. The question is, what, why do you do what you do? About it. Whatever you do, what, why do you do what you do? Do you do it so that God will be honored, so that the, 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 the church community, the, the gospel community would progress? Do you do it that, that people would be served? Or do you do it to appear like you are the best? Do you do it for God's glory or for your own glory? 
Why do you do what you do? John MacArthur wisely notes that those whose lives are based on and motivated by human ungodly wisdom are inevitably self-centered. Living in a world in which their own personal ideas, desires, and standards are the measure of everything. Whatever and whoever serves those ends is considered good and friendly. Whatever and whoever threatens those ends is considered bad and, and an enemy. Those who are engulfed in, in self-serving worldly wisdom resent anyone or anything that comes between them and their own objectives. James notes here that this kind of behavior is being false to the truth. It's amazing that these phrases that James throws around, how packed they are with, 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 with truth and, 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 and just convicting reality. When he says that they are being forced to the truth, in other words, he's saying this behavior is not, characterized, is, is not characteristic to what Christi Christians must be. In other words, to be characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition while you profess to be a Christian is to bear false witness against God. It is to bear false witness against the transforming power of the gospel. It is to say the gospel does not have power to transform lives of those who have committed themselves to God through Christ Jesus. It is to say to the world, to be a Christian is no different than to be in the world. Because you're a Christian and you're characterized by selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, just like the people in the world. What's the difference? It is to be false to the truth. What does the truth say? The truth say those who are in Christ are new creatures, right? They are walking in newness of life. Those who are in Christ are, com are, are, are characterized by compassion, are char characterized by godly living. And, 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 and you are living in this way, James says, you are being false to the truth. In verse 15, he points out that this kind of wisdom is not from God. He points out the source of, wisdom, of this wisdom. He says, this wisdom, this is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Right? It is earthly. It, it means that this wisdom is not from heaven. It is not from God. God does not have anything to do with this wisdom. It is unspiritual. It means that it is, it is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is of man's lower nature. It does not have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not produce this kind of behavior. It is demonic. Remember that James spoke about faith that does not have works. He says this kind of faith is demonic. In the same way, wisdom that is, uh, that is uh, characterized by jealousy, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is considered demonic. Right? Its source, it's demonic. <coughs> it, re it resembles the actions of demons rather than the actions of men. 
not only does he speak of the of its source but he speaks of its fruits notice the fruits it produces in verse 16 he says for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist logically that there will be disorder and every vile practice jealousy and selfish ambition create a toxic environment that is not conducive conducive to godly living Dagmu explains that confusion, disorder, and tumults will inevitably break out in the church where Christians are more interested in pursuing their own ambitions or partisan causes than edification of the body as a whole. Where hearts of individual Christians are wrong, an unlimited variety of sins will be found also. Right? We are we are creating an environment where godliness is not the order of the day. We are creating an environment where we are having cliques, just people who hang out together without other people. We are creating an environment where it's this group against that group. It dishonors God. It is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic. So James shows us this kind of wisdom. He condemns this kind of wisdom. He says uh, it is worldly wisdom. He, he, he goes on to show us another wisdom in contrast to this one, and he commends it to Christians. Christians are to be characterized by this wisdom. The second kind of wisdom that James shows us is godly wisdom. And we see that in verse 17 and verse 18. Look at the word of God. But wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, in contrast to worldly wisdom, James presents characteristics of a godly wisdom. It is wisdom from above. And just maybe to comment on the structure of the passage, look at what he does. Right, Verses 14 to verse 16, he shows us the characteristics of worldly wisdom. He shows us the source of worldly wisdom and he shows us the fruits right you'll, you'll notice that he does the very same thing with godly wisdom he, he structures it in the first in in the same way he shows us the characteristics he shows us the the the, uh, the source and he shows us the fruits as well it produces let us look at it it, it, it is wisdom here that he says it is wisdom from above right it is wisdom from above in other words it is wisdom that originates from god god is the source of this wisdom in verses 1 to 5 james calls those who who lack wisdom to ask god himself who gives all without reproach and he says it will be given him this kind of wisdom is is from god and we ask god for this wisdom Proverbs chapter six, chapter 2, verse 6 says this. It says, the Lord gives wisdom. 
from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. After showing the origin of godly wisdom, he goes on to show us seven attributes of godly wisdom. And it should be noted that it is not just a list for, for the sake of a list. Right? So James is not writing a list for the sake of lists. But what James is doing here, he's defining how a community that is shaped by the gospel looks. What a people that are transformed by the gospel look like. What a people that are being conformed to the image of Christ look like. These are attributes that must be seen and experienced in a community of those who have been transformed by the gospel. First of all, in verse, in verse 17, he says, This wisdom that is from above is pure. Right? It is first pure. This purity speaks about purity of motives. Unlike selfish ambition, the the actions and motives correlate. Right? It is not doing the right things for the wrong reasons. It is doing the right things for the right reasons. They they, they connect. Wisdom is personified in, 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 in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. And, and, and this is what wisdom says in, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. You see that? Godly wisdom is pure. It, it pursues purity. It pursues, it pursues a holiness. Secondly, he says, it is peaceable. It is peaceable. James chapter 3 verse 17. It is peaceable. Godly wisdom loves peace and, and makes peace. Right? It reflects that one is at peace with God, which is demonstrated by being at peace with others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. John MacArthur says, The, the truly wise don't, don't perpetrate conflict by their selfishness, but produce peace by their humility. Thirdly, James says, This wisdom is godly, is, is, is gentle, is gentle. In other words, Godly wisdom does not insist on its rights, but seeks the good of others, right? Gentleness is, is mostly seen in our words, in, in, in how we, we talk to people, in, what, in, 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 in the manner we talk to people. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31 says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. The mouth of those who have been transformed by the gospel brings forth wisdom. But the perverse tongue will be cut off. Again, he says, fourthly, it is open to reason. You see, godly wisdom does not insist on always being right. But it is ready and willing to be persuaded with the truth. It means you can be shown where you are wrong without being defensive. Godly wisdom knows 
what the authority is. It knows that the authority is God's word. And when God's word is brought to bear upon the mind and the conscience, godly wisdom bows. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Fifth, James says, It is full of mercy and good fruits. It is full of mercy and good fruit. You see, someone with, with godly wisdom is always ready to extend a hand of forgiveness to those who have wronged him or her. And not only just extending a hand of forgiveness, but also displaying good fruits in the way you seek to be of help to those who need. Right? He says, sixth, it is impartial. It is impartial. Remember the lesson that we learned in chapter 2, right? Chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, when he talks about uh, partiality. How, how some people were characterized by uh, um, showing favoritism uh, among themselves. They would show favoritism, uh, they would favor the rich and, and not favor the poor. Godly wisdom is not like that. It does not measure people by their socioeconomic status. It does not measure people by their nationality, by their racial backgrounds, but receives everything and everyone without favoritism. To use the word of Martin Luther King, Jr., godly wisdom does not have gradations, right? There are no levels of worth in godly wisdom. Everyone is, has worth because they are made in the image of God. And lastly, he says, godly wisdom is sincere. It, it is sincere. Sincerity referred to the fact that it is without hypocrisy. This, these people are not two different people. So many people are two different people. They have a church personality and a home personality. When they are at church, they sing about the power of the cross. They sing about in Christ alone. They, they sing about make me a channel of your peace, Lord. But when they are at home, they are lions. They are wild. They are untamed. They are like a horse without a bridle. One of the greatest compliments that can be paid a person, one of the greatest compliments, listen to this, that can be paid a person is this. He or she is in public what she, he or she is in private. What you see in public is what they are in private. See, these attributes are, are portraits of Christ, who is the wisdom of God. He is pure. He is the prince of peace. He is gentle and kind. He, he speaks kindly 
and reasonably. He is full of mercy and the perfect example of what it means to, to bear fruit. He is without partiality and he is sincere. In other words, those who are being conformed into his likeness are to be characterized by these attributes as well. Notice the kind of fruit that, is, that godly wisdom produces. This is totally different from the fruits that are produced by worldly wisdom. Right? Worldly wisdom produces an environment, an environment that is um, disorderly and, 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 and characterized by every vile practice. But look at, look at verse 18. Look at the fruits of godly wisdom. He says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love this passage. A harvest of, of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is one of the most interesting verses in this section. And it is one of the most confusing as well. Right? But, but consider this. By, when, he says by, when he says a harvest of righteousness, that is sown. James underscores the reality that a community that seeks to honor and glorify God in the manner they relate with each other promotes an atmosphere where growth is inevitable. We, we, we promote an atmosphere where growth becomes the order of the day. Imagine, imagine with me that you are to plant seed. You have a garden, right? You, you plant seed in a garden, and after doing that, someone comes and throws stones in your garden. Right? They throw stones where you just planted. Are your seeds going to grow? No, right? Nothing is going to grow. They are going to immediately die. Would you expect that there would be a harvest of righteousness when there is strife, when there's jealousy, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? Is there going to be an atmosphere of growth and maturity? No, right? It's like God is planting seeds and we are throwing stones into the garden. But where godly wisdom is, there's an environment that is conducive to maturity. An environment that is conducive to peaceful relationships, to godliness. An, an environment that, that contributes to, to the spread of the gospel. Because when the world looks at the church, they see the gospel at work in the lives of his people. It does not become a toxic environment. It shows that this environment, Christ is working in and through them. Right? There's a vertical relationship that is clearly seen, that we are looking to Christ. But there's a horizontal effect of that relationship that we are peaceful and, 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 and working alongside one another, not to elevate ourselves, but to elevate the one who deserves to be elevated. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that when we lack wisdom, which we do a lot, 
in the height of our foolishness, our foolish decisions, our foolish words that we speak without thinking. May we draw near to you as the bearer of wisdom, as the embodiment of wisdom, to gain wisdom and insight from you, that we may live in such a way that your church will be built, your church will grow in maturity and spiritually, that you will be glorified in our midst. For the sake of your name and your kingdom, we pray this. Amen.